This is Professor August Howard. The following is a continuation in the series of statements and interviews from Daphne Howard, also known as the Diviner. Perhaps the Haraspex would have been a better name. I know exactly where I'd start, too. Nonsense. That's not within the scope of your abilities. It seems you're in better spirits today, dear. So we'll go ahead and continue on. Wonderful. For this statement, please describe exactly how you broke into my office at Deakin University. It was a day after the revelation in the club. I spent the morning and afternoon preparing before driving to the university. The afternoon sun began to set, and I parked the roadster in the Deakin University parking lot. I quietly looked over the small map Chet and Tommy had drawn for me of the buildings as I ate one of my last chocolate bars. I traced a finger along the pencil lines and noticed the towering buildings were arranged in clusters, the walkways cutting through the well-kept grass and connecting to each other like tendrils of a spider's web. An apt comparison made by the nosy little insect who found herself ensnared in it. You're just angry I was able to break into your office. You can admit it. I am not, and I will not. As I studied the map and looked over the linguistics faculty pamphlet, I tugged at the collar of my dress shirt. I'd only seen her once, at a faculty Christmas party you had taken me to at the Dean's Mansion. I remember feeling very lost the whole time, not really knowing enough about linguistics to join in on your conversations. Additionally, it was very difficult to make small talk with such academically focused and, I'm sorry to say, socially awkward people. So I spoke with the other professor spouses instead. But even after all those polite conversations, I remembered the woman in question. She was very rigid, stuffy, an arrogant woman, but I could work with what little I remembered. Plus, I had an inkling of what a professor should be like, having had them myself at conservatory and having known one for most of my life. You really posed as... Now, now, let me finish the story. You'll ruin the surprise for your colleagues, August. I pulled my hair into a small bun and slapped my face a few times with either hand. Okay, okay, I'm a professor. I belong here. No one will question it. I can act, damn it. I was taught by Stanislavski's best pupils. I can do this. I can do this. With one last deep breath, I stepped out of the car and draped my coat over an arm. I grabbed the empty briefcase I brought to collect evidence. Then I closed the car door with the shoulder and locked it up. According to the map, the linguistics professors had offices in Dumarier Hall. It was in the middle of the complex, and it was simple enough to get there by just following the walkways. Fortunately for me, there were signs along the path with general directions to each of the buildings, which I cast stealthy glances at as I walked. I affected a bearing of importance and arrogance, chin tilted up slightly with a small, irritable scowl on my lips. For the most part, I was ignored by the few students walking the paths to their evening classes. Others nodded their heads, giving me a few quick and quiet evening professors as they passed. As I walked up the steps and into DeMarie Hall, I passed by two students. Oh, uh, good evening, Professor Lesnar. Good evening. I could hear as I got out of earshot. Did she get taller? I think she's wearing heels. 
makeup? Oh, strange. Ugh. I wound my way through Demarie Hall at a faster clip, carefully climbing the stairs to the professor's offices. I'm very surprised that it worked. You look nothing like her. Either I'm very good at disguising myself, or we bear enough similarity with my hair bleach that people didn't notice something was off. The notion that you're at all similar to Hope does not sit right with me. Why? Did you sleep with her, too? For the love of Daphne! Oh, right, you wouldn't have. She's not an impressionable young twenty-something with this- That's enough. Please, stay focused. My heels clicked softly on the wooden flooring as I surveyed each door. I passed a door that read A. Howard, classical languages, and couldn't help that put-upon scowl growing ever more genuine. I had, at least, found my eventual target. But that wasn't where I was going first. I finally came upon a door which read H. Lesnar, World Languages. A class schedule was posted upon it, which showed her last class ending several hours before. Ah, uh, she's probably gone by now. Excuse me! Hey! I nearly jumped out of my skin at the sudden voice down the hall, feet approaching me quickly. I could only grip my briefcase tighter and stare blankly at this young woman who looked like she was on a mission. She didn't look like security, but she had this boldness to her expression. Her eyes nearly drilled holes into mine. I caught you! Finally! I've been waiting around to see if you show up. My great plan. Foiled. I wondered if she was a plant of yours. A friendly looking face to make me lower my guard just enough to throw me off my ruse. Can I... help you? Uh, maybe. Are you Professor Lesnar? I hope Lesnar, yes. Professor of World Languages, are you... Do I know you from a class I teach? I have a lot of students. Oh, no, no, no. I work here. My name is Samantha Nolan. I'm the archival assistant at the university. I work with Mrs. O'Keefe. O'Keefe. Right. Right. I know her. She asked me to deliver this to you personally so I could introduce myself. Since you're a frequent visitor and all, we might be seeing each other more often. This was one of the new books you requested from outside the library, and since I'm helping out more in acquisitions, I figured it would be good to deliver it to you personally, and let you know I'm happy to help you with whatever you need. Uh, thank you. Rather nice of you to do. Say, have any of my other requests been filled? Oh, yes, we finally received some just-published books for you from an outside collection. I also spent some time combing the archive for the articles you showed interest in for your linguistics and culture class. Excellent, thank you. R remind me again, Samantha, right? It's been a while since I requested those materials. These are all for my classes and not any of my... special projects. Hmm. If you requested anything for a special project, we're probably still working on acquiring it, but those should just be for your introduction to world languages and cultural classes. If you do need anything other than that, please, let us know. Uh, anyway, I should let you get going. It was nice meeting you, Professor Lesnar. You as well, Miss Nolan. As the young woman made her way back down the stairs, I brought the book to my nose. I don't think it smells like human skin. So perhaps it isn't as bad as they say. 
but then there was the matter of the door. It was still too early, and there were people filtering in and out of the building, so I had to be discreet about it. I glanced about, around corners and down the set of stairs I had just climbed up as I looked for assistance. I finally saw a portly man in a blue boiler suit sweeping up the floor just down the next hall. Bingo. Uh, excuse me, sir. I came to do some research in my office, and I forgot my keys at home. Could you unlock my door for me? Huh? Yeah, sure. Lesnar, right? Yes, if you wouldn't mind. The man pulled the keys out, swiftly unlocking the door for me. I thanked him and pulled the door shut, listening for footsteps walking away before I locked the door. I locked the office from the inside. I let out a breath I didn't know I was holding. Okay. First half of the plan is in the books. Now to hide out here, until later. I checked my watch. Suppose I have a few hours to kill? I wonder if Lesnar has anything interesting here. I examined the outside of the strange book I was given for a bit, and stowed it away in my briefcase. Then, I moved on to more productive things, like snooping around in Lesnar's office for any clues I could find, nabbing pieces of paper and other suspicious materials to analyze later. I finally emerged from the darkened room, shutting the door quietly and slipping on my coat. I pulled my hair out of its bun and shook it out. Alright, that's enough Lesnar for one day. I crept down the hall slowly, heels barely making a sound as I rounded the corner to your office. I knelt at the door, pulling the small package of tools from my coat pocket, a set of lock-picking tools given to me by Chet and Tommy. I did exactly as they'd taught me, carefully scrubbing the lock. After a minute or two, I heard the telltale click of the pins in their places. Child's play. I entered the room, turning on the light and shutting the door behind me. All right, August. What are you hiding? I immediately went to your desk, which was, for the most part, Spartan. Save for a single book on something I didn't recognize, a telephone, a picture frame, and a blank notepad. I flipped through the pages to see if you had just purposely kept the first few pages blank. Nothing. I rummaged through the desk drawers, finding nothing of importance. Nothing on Benny. No straight papers, no notebooks, no forms detailing any information on missing students or human trafficking of any kind, and no misplaced articles of clothing or anything hinting at your infidelity. No, damn it! I continued to search the office, looking at bookshelves and in filing cabinets. I didn't come all this way to be left with nothing. I didn't go through all of this just to come up short. I have to find something. Anything. I swiped the empty notepad off the desk in my anger, seeing a lone business card spin out from underneath it. I lifted it to my eyes. It had a strange symbol on it, bearing the words, The Esoteric Order of the All-Seeing Eye, and a solitary name. Maximilian Coleman. Founder. Coleman. Like the railway magnate? He talked business quite a bit with my late grandfather, who had owned the ferry works when it was much more lucrative, back when my family was almost as rich as Coleman's. The two of them were veritable titans of industry, before the interstate bridges made the need for river ferries decline. 
I suppose it didn't surprise me that Coleman was involved with whatever this madness was. He would undoubtedly have the money to fund it. I pocketed the card, slipping it into my coat. Then I suppose I need to go to his mansion next. Perhaps he's responsible for these kidnappings. Perhaps he's the one August is reporting to. Maybe that's where they're keeping Benny. Maybe... Maybe I could bring her back to Chet and the Cavaliers. In my excitement at procuring another promising piece of evidence, I rounded the desk again. Before I turned for the door, my eyes locked onto the lone picture frame. I picked it up to examine it, and felt a pang of pure pain shoot straight through my heart. I felt the tears rising in my eyes at the sight of three people with bright smiles on their faces. You, dressed so dashingly in your suit, and in your arms was me in my wedding dress, flanked by my maid of honor, Lydia, whose smile stole the show that day. She never stopped smiling. Not when she walked me down the aisle. Not when she stood beside me as I gave my vows. Vows that I still stand by, despite yours lying shattered. The picture was a memento of simpler, better times. It all at once heartened and broke me. To find this as your office's only personal effect. It is a reminder of why I do this. Neither of us wanted any of this. I know. You'll change your mind once you see the difference we're about to make in the world. It is a change that would allow us both to live happier lives. But I digress. Continue the statement. As I looked at the picture, eyes washing over those younger, happier faces, I didn't hear the door open. The faint voice. Wait, that's her. Rome. Caesar. Until it was too late. A muscular arm looped around my neck, clenching down hard despite my struggle, making me drop the picture frame, the glass shattering just like your promises. I gasped for air, clawing at the arm, kicking with heeled feet at the legs behind me, trying my hardest to move an immovable object. I would fight it till my last breath. Let go. I gained just enough purchase to see my captor just briefly, a balding man who could have been something of a wrestler if not for the surgical wound in his head. The Hulk's handler, a tall man in a dark coat and hat, walked to the telephone. Go, apply pressure to her carotids and do not let her go. Almost immediately, the mindless husk game purchase on my neck, constricting tightly. As the pressure increased, I choked harder, drawing no air into my lungs at all, my scrabbling hands against the man's arm growing slower and weaker. My eyes widened and I saw stars as my vision narrowed. I could barely make out the handler's speech on the telephone. Hello, Professor. Yes. Quite late for a casual chat. Did my wife finally arrive? Yes. You were right. She did show up. She looks a little different from your description, but it's her. Perfect. Bring her to the compound. Carefully. Of course. We'll incapacitate her and deliver her to you tonight. I hope she was worth the trouble. Expect us soon. 
but he hung up the phone. Any fight that was left in me was quelled by asphyxiation. I remember nothing else from that night. All that time, trying to find information surreptitiously. I'll commend you for the effort, dear. You had someone waiting there. I had a feeling you wouldn't leave well enough alone. And wouldn't you know it, I was right. But nevertheless, here you are, under the Order's watchful eye, safe, insecure. <laughs> it only took a stranglehold and constant sedation, but yes, safe and secure. At least you're no longer alone. You and I are together again. <sighs> no, I'm still alone. I am alone in a gilded cage, being interrogated by a zealot wearing my husband's skin. It honestly makes me feel more lonely than I've ever felt before. It will subside, I'm sure. Once the magnum opus has been completed, you will see that all of this will have been worth it. All the pain. All the loneliness. It will have served its purpose. And I know, when you look upon that brighter world with me, you'll understand. You'll understand that everything I did... I did for something greater. What really happened to Lydia? What do you mean? There's more to her death than what you told me before. How did she die? Daphne. How did she die? What about her death made you into this monster? You truly think I'm the monster here? I've tried so hard to protect you from the reality of the situation. You don't know true monstrosity, Daphne. Not like I do. Then enlighten me, August. Please. I... I... <sighs> Something seemed off to me about Lydia's death. You know she was deployed to a field hospital to help those who were too wounded for the trench. Assisting with the worst of the pain and the suffering. But that field hospital was much too far from the trenches to be a legitimate target. It wasn't a military target. And any ordnance should have been well out of range. Those weeks I traveled overseas alone. They weren't merely for conferences and symposiums. I was chasing down information, just as you suspected. No one here at home was able to answer my questions, so I went straight to the source. I talked to survivors of the attack, people close to the major in charge of the local regiment. Do you know what I found out? What? Lydia wasn't really shelled by the enemy, Daphne. What? The Major sent out fake coordinates as bait for the enemy to cover his troops' approach to the front lines. The coordinates he sent out were those of the field hospital. No. Perhaps that Major thought they would all be captured, taking us prisoners of war. Or perhaps all the man cared about was his troops getting to the front. But it doesn't matter. His actions cost her life. So that's how she died. 
pointlessly. Lydia is dead because of a system of failure and incompetence and ignorance. Our world is a cold, callous machine that exists only to tear itself apart. An unknowable, unfathomable, chaotic mess. One we just accept as the human condition. Do you understand, finally, Daphne? Do you finally comprehend why I've done the things I've done? I can see the logic. Humanity can go to hell for all I care. If I can fix it all by becoming the monster you think I am, then I will. And there's still time for you to cooperate now that you know. For you to help me. Stop fighting this. You do right by her memory. Help me fix this world, Daphne. Everything you've done here, with the Order, it feels like you've negated every last bit of goodness Lydia left on this earth. Hers were hands that healed, that helped and soothed. Yours, they only hurt and take and destroy. You cannot save this world by being a monster, August. Every life you've taken leaves just one more sibling, parent, or loved one to living a life in despair, to turn to the very things you're trying to prevent, just like you did long ago. It's a vicious cycle that your violent hands can't stop. It will only stop when people stop being better to each other. Lydia knew the true magic of this world was kindness. I wish she would have listened when she taught us. How? How is knowing the truth not enough to make you see? I... I you... You are... You, you, you aren't... August? No! No! I will not allow you to. Daphne. Okay. Daphne, listen to me. You have to know. What is it? Please tell me. He knows. He... He knows more than you think. Uh, how dare you! You were supposed to have stratified! You were supposed to have settled! You cannot reassert yourself, you... <sighs> no, stay down, Daphne. Augie, what do you know? These recordings, your stories... He can hear them. He can hear all of it. He hears more than you say. Your gift is getting strong. <coughs> no! Augie! Come back, please! <sighs> we are in flux again. That will be all for today, Daphne. No! August, stop trying to force him down. I said that will be all. I will not risk having that meddlesome specter haunt us again. What, you don't think you're strong enough to resist him again? I will not be insulted by my own wife. It certainly sounds like the talk of a quitter to me. 
If you truly were the shining pupil of the Order, I figured you'd hold out longer against a mirage. But it seems you've been bested by a stronger man. Stop it. A man you didn't have the courage to become. Stop it. A man worthy of Lydia's memory. This statement is concluded. I'll see myself out. Don't worry, Augie. We'll wear him down one way or another. I promise. <laughs>